Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And uh, Michael Cohen is testifying before Congress right now. Uh, uh, right-wing Republican, Mr. Gosar, I think is how it's pronounced, is interrogating him. We're going to go to the hearings, and we're going to, throughout the day here, basically play the hearing. And then we'll come back and pick up your phone calls. And I will pop in from time to time and offer some thoughts and commentary. But I think, by and large, most Americans want to hear what's going on in Congress. And so we're going to go right to that right now. Start telling the truth. There are several factors. Helsinki, Charlottesville, watching the daily destruction of our civility to one another. This voice is Michael Cohen. Putting up silly things like this. Oh, that's silly. Really unbecoming of Congress. It's that sort of behavior that I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for your silliness because I did the same thing that you're doing now for 10 years. I protected Mr. Trump for 10 years. And the fact that you pull up a news article that has no value to it, and you want to use that as the premise for discrediting me, that I'm not the person that people called at 3 o'clock in the morning, would make you inaccurate. In actuality, it would make you a liar which puts you into the same position that I am in. And I can only warn people, the more people that follow Mr. Trump, as I did blindly, are going to suffer the same consequences that I'm suffering. What warning would you give young people who are tempted, as you were, would you encourage them not to wait 10 years to see the light? What advice would you give young people, in particular young lawyers, so they do not abuse their bar license as you did. Look at what's happened to me. I had a wonderful life. I have a beautiful wife. I have two amazing children. And I achieved financial success by the age of 39. I didn't go to work for Mr. Trump because I had to. I went to work for him because I wanted to. And I've lost it all. So if I'm not a picture perfect, that's the picture that should be up there. If I'm not a picture perfect example of what not to do, that's the example that I'm trying to set for my children. You make mistakes in life, and I've owned them, and I've taken responsibility for them. And I'm paying a huge price, as is my family. So if that in and of itself isn't enough to dissuade somebody from acting in the callous manner that I did, I'm not sure that that person has any, um, any chance, very much like I'm in right now. 
A recurring theme in your testimony is concern for your family's safety. What specifically are you most concerned about? Well, the president, unlike my Cohen for Trump that has a thousand followers, he's got over 60 million people. And when Mr. Trump turned around early in the campaign and said, I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, I want to be very clear. He's not joking. He's telling you the truth. You see, you don't know him. I do. I sat next to this man for 10 years, and I watched his back. I'm the one who started the campaign, and I'm the one who continued in 2015 to promote him. And I, so many things I thought that he can do that are just great. And he can, and he is doing things that are great. But this destruction of our civility to one another is just, it's out of control. And when he goes on Twitter and he starts bringing in my in-laws, my parents, my wife, what does he think is going to happen? He's causing, he, he's sending out the same message that he can do whatever he wants. This is his country. He's becoming an autocrat. And hopefully something bad will happen to me on my children, on my wife, so that I will not be here and testify. That's what his hope was. It was to intimidate me. And again, I thanked everybody who joined and said that this is just not right. Have you ever seen Mr. Trump personally threaten people with physical harm? No. He would use others. He would hire other people to do that? I'm not so sure that he had to hire them. They were already working there. <laughs> Everybody's job at the Trump Organization is to protect Mr. Trump. Every day, most of us knew we were coming in and we were going to lie for him on something. And that became the norm. And that's exactly what's happening right now in, in this country. And it's exactly what's happening here in government, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. My time has expired. Mr. Armstrong. Thank you. Mr. Con Chairman, uh, Mr. Chairman can, can we take a break? Chairman Cummings. That's okay. Thank uh, you, sir. His thank, mic isn't open, you. so we can't quite tell what's going on, but it looks like they're getting up and taking a break. So I think one of the most interesting things, one of the most interesting pieces of this entire thing, this last interaction between Congressman Gosar and uh, Michael Cohen. What I thought was so interesting about Gosar's interaction was he started out trying to play Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows, you know, the guys who are the kind of wholly owned subsidiaries of the Koch network and the other petrobillionaires, and Donald Trump, apparently, right? And, you know, he started out by trying to, like, go after Michael Cohen. And in Cohen's answer, he said to this Republican, Gosar, I think he's a Republican from Texas, as I recall. I, let me just take a quick look here. No, I mean, he's not Texas. He's from the suburbs of Phoenix. Cohen says to Gosar, I protected this guy for 10 years. You're doing it right now. And I caution you, I'm paraphrasing here, and I caution you, sir, that you and other people who continue to protect Donald Trump, you're going to end up in a situation like I am, disgraced. I don't think he literally meant going to prison, but disgraced. And at that point, Gosar's testimony, or questioning rather, this, this Republican from Arizona, suddenly changed. And it became, well, okay, what advice would you have for young people? What advice would you have for lawyers? I mean, that was, at that point, I wonder if that was and is going to be remembered as, I think his name was Robert Welch, the fellow who in the McCarthy Army hearings in the United States Senate back in the 1950s, I think it was 54, 56, whatever the year was, 
where Senator McCarthy was going off on some drunken tirade about a man either in the State Department or the Army and accusing him of being a communist. And the lawyer, Mr. Welsh, said, you know, have you at long last, sir, uh, no decency? And that moment, I mean, I was so young, I have no recollection of that. I, most people have been born since then, most people who are alive today. But that moment still is burned into the history of our country. And I'm wondering if that response to Gosar will be also. So anyhow, your thoughts. Cheryl in Philadelphia. Hey, Cheryl, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? Your thoughts? It's riveting. You know, Cohen, he's a snake. It takes a snake to work with a snake in that organization. But I think he does have remorse, and he cares about his family. I mean, the guy is ruined, basically, career-wise. I wanted to make a point about the congressman that pulled the um, black woman up, the young black woman who works for that congressman mm-hmm. or someone. She stood, stood behind him. I mean, you know, that's a tactic they're going to use. I mean, there are blacks in the cabinet. Omarosa worked for him. Trump saw value in her from The Apprentice and knew she was smart and knew he needed to surround himself with some blacks. But Trump is a racist. He wouldn't have gone after President Obama the way he did with the whole birther thing. He started his campaign pretty much on the birther argument. It's a matter of time before the young woman who stood up in his defense today will see the light, so to speak. The racism is for real. So many things have happened, and we all know it. And I hope they go down that line of questioning a little more. Anyway, that's all I have to say. It's, it's not a great day for this country. Yeah. Anyway, you look at it. I am with you. And Karen Hunter, one of my colleagues over at SiriusXM, tweeted that a racist is perfectly capable of hiring a black person. A racist is perfectly capable of, uh, I'm paraphrasing now from memory, perfectly capable of exploiting or, let's say, benefiting from the work of a black person. If that were not the case, you would not have had slavery. You would not have the United States. The United States would not have been built. And that a racist is even capable of being attracted, sexually attracted to a black person. One of the allegations that's being made right now by an African-American woman is this, after he was president, Trump tried to move on her like he described in that uh, Access Hollywood tape. So, you know, to your point, I'm agreeing with you, Cheryl, and I think Karen said it really well. Would you disagree with her? A racist is not immune to hiring in his organization numerous Latino workers who are undocumented in his golf clubs. Yep. Amen. Sam in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Sam, what's on your mind? I've been watching the Cohen hearing testimony as well. And it reminds me of the old westerns when the good guy and the bad guy were in a gunfight. The bad guy ran out of bullets and then threw the gun at the good guy. The Republicans don't have any bullets. They're throwing the gun. Yeah. They don't ha- All they can do is sit there and say, you lied, you lied, you lied. That's all any of them have said so far. Well, and keep in mind, they opened the hearings by trying to shut down the hearings. <laughs> well, they're toast and they know it. Sam, thanks a lot for the call. Thanks for listening okay. to us there in Nashville. I appreciate it. Jeff in Las Vegas watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Hi. Just like Colin said, he said he was there protecting Trump every day of his job. Likewise, now the people who are working in government under Trump are doing the exact same thing. Isn't there some way that we can draw more attention to, rather than the the buffoon that Trump is and all the fanfare that goes on around watching this circus going on, what about the system 
you know, which I think it is, uh, you know, like Richard Wolf often talks about. It's the system that we really have to worry about trying to fix. How can enough attention be drawn through this whole media watch? Mm-hmm. How can more attention be brought to the fact that, hey, this is a systemic problem of capitalism and take it from there? I think to a certain extent, that is a meta message, you know, a sub message or a structural message underneath the message that Michael Cohen is delivering right now, which is that he was, you know, that Trump is a corrupt man, that the Trump organization is a corrupt or is a criminal organization, that he participated in this in exchange for, you know, good pay and lots of good, uh, you know, access to all kinds of perks and bennies for 10 years. Yeah. Up until June of last year, Michael Cohen was the deputy chairman of the Republican National Committee and that he was the vice president of the Trump organization up until about a year and a half ago, and he had an office next door to Donald Trump's office in Trump Tower. Now, you know, that's more than just, you know, Trump tweeting out, oh, he was my lawyer and other people's too. I'm waiting for the Democrats to really, you know, draw some blood and point that out. Jeff, thanks for the call. My friends at X-Chair are at it again, constantly tinkering to make an already superior product even better so you can work in even more comfort and be that much more productive. Now you can enhance your X-Chair's performance and protect your floors with incredible X-Wheel blade casters. These urethane wheels are driven by butter-smooth, whisper-quiet ball bearings and are built to last. As if the X-Chair isn't comfortable enough, now you can add a set of X-Wheels and take your performance to the next level. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can take your comfort and productivity into the stratosphere by getting yourself an X-Chair. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, xchairtom.com. major news network and we're back with the hearing so this is still representative fox the republican questioning mr cohen can you commit under oath that you will not pursue political office in the state of new york no so you don't commit to uh changing your ways basically because you want to continue to use your background as a liar a cheater a convicted liar to make money that's what you want to do. And that's going to get me a book deal and a movie deal and television and, and, a, and a spot on television? I, I don't think so. Well, it appears that it will. I yield my time, remainder of my time, Mr. Chairman, to Mr. Thank Jordan. The, I thank the gentlelady for yielding. Mr. Cohen, in your sentencing statement to the court in, De- in December of last year, you said, I want to apologize to the people of the United States. You deserve to know the truth. Approximately a month later, BuzzFeed News ran a story... That was the story in the country for a couple days. BuzzFeed story ran January 17th, 2019. On January 18th, your counsel went on TV and wouldn't confirm or deny the story. The next day, the special counsel's office did something that's never happened. 
Never happened. They said the description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and the characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. Why didn't your lawyer, the day that he's on TV, when this story is the biggest thing in the news in the country, why didn't he deny the BuzzFeed story? Because I didn't think it was his responsibility to do that. We are not the fact checkers for BuzzFeed. He's on TV to talk about the very story you committed to the sir. court when you were trying to get your sentence reduced, that, you, that the American people deserve to know the truth. You had the golden opportunity to give them the truth on a false story, the BuzzFeed story, and your lawyer didn't say a thing. He actually, actually, he said this, I can't confirm, I can't deny. You had an opportunity to do exactly what you told the judge you were going to do one month after you said it, and you didn't do it. Why not? Again, it wasn't our responsibility to be the fact checker for the news agencies there. This is the there. biggest story sir, in the country. So please, let me finish. The president says so far approximately so, well, 9,000. I, I got eight seconds. Asked, I got eight seconds. I'll let you finish. Cha chairman, may I please finish? The special finish? counsel chairman, said can I please finish? something they've never done. They said that Sir. story was false. Now okay. you can respond. Okay. My response. The president has told something over 9,000 lies to date. Do I ask Mr. Davis or Mr. Monaco, do I go on television in order to correct his mistakes? When Mr. The Davis answer, goes on sir, to talk the answer about is that no. specific subject, the you answer should. Is no. And I, I, I would like the to gentleman's time has Listen up. The gentleman's time has expired. You may finish answering the question, and then we're going to go to Mr. Connolly. All I wanted to say is I just find it interesting, sir, that between yourself and your colleagues, that not one question so far since I'm here has been asked about President Trump. That's actually why I thought I was coming today. Not to, not to confess the mistakes that I've made. I've already done that. And I'll do it again every time you ask me about taxes or mistakes. Yes, I made my mistakes. I'll say it now again. And I'm going to pay the ultimate price. But I'm not here today, and the American people don't care about my taxes. They want to know what it is that I know about Mr. Trump. And not one question so far has been asked about Mr. Trump. Mr. Connolly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, Mr. Cohen, Sorry. based on your testimony and your tenure experience, um, I think you can recognize the behavior you're being subjected to on the other side of the aisle. Discredit, slander, uh, use any trick in the book to prevent your testimony from sticking. The idea that a witness would come to us who's flawed, and you certainly are flawed, means they can never tell the truth, and there is no validity whatsoever to a single word they say, would discredit every single cr uh, criminal trial of organized crime in the history of the United States, because all of them depend on someone who's turned. It would make RICO null and void. We couldn't use it anymore. This Congress historically has relied on all kinds of shady figures who turned. One of the most famous who led to the decapitation of the organized crime families in America, Joe Valachi, congressional hearing. He was a witness, and he committed a lot worse crimes than you're convicted of, Mr. Cohen. So don't be fooled by what my friends on the other side of the aisle are trying to do today. It is do everything but focus on the principle, 
known as individual number one in the Southern District of New York, as I recall. Is that correct, Mr. Cohen? That is correct. Now, Mr. Cohen, I want to ask you about something that's not in your testimony and that so far has not been made public. In our committee staff search of documents provided by the White House that were otherwise redacted or already in the public, and I guess the White House thought that was funny, they made one mistake, the White House. There was an email from a special assistant to the president, to a deputy White House counsel, and the email is dated May 16, 2017, and it says, and I quote, POTUS, meaning the president, requested a meeting on Thursday with Michael Cohen and Jay Sekulow. Any idea what this might be about, end quote. Do you recall being asked to come to the White House on or around that time? With Mr. Sekulow? May of 2017. Off the top of my head, sir, I don't. Um, I recall being in the White House with Jay Sekulow. Well, that, different, that, but what I will do is I will check uh, uh, or um, a response to this question. Well, that, that's, you sort of touch on the, presumably the purpose of the discussion, at least among others. This occurred, this meeting uh, occurred just before your testimony before the Select Committee on Intelligence here in the House. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. Was that a topic of conversation with the President himself? If this is the specific instance that I was there with Mr. Sekulow, yes. So you had a conversation with the President of the United States about your impending testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. Is that correct? That's correct. What was the nature of that conversation? He wanted me to cooperate. He also wanted just to ensure by making the statement, and I said it in my testimony, there is no Russia, there is no collusion, um, there is no, um, there is no uh, deal. He goes, it's all a witch hunt. And it's, he goes, this, this stuff has to end. Did you take That's, that clip is going to be shaved by right wing <laughs> television I, or media, I promise you. Flavor your testimony? Sir, he's been saying that to me for many, many months. And at the end of the day, I knew exactly what he wanted me to say. And why was Mr. Sekulow in the meeting? Because he was going to be representing Mr. Trump um, going forward as one of his personal attorneys in this matter. So it was sort of a handoff meeting? Correct. Um, in any way, final question, did the President in any way from your point of view coach you in terms of how to respond to questions or the content of your testimony before a House committee? Again, it's, it's a difficult answer because he doesn't tell you what he wants. What he does is, again, Michael, there's no Russia, there's no collusion, there's no involvement, there's no interference. I know what he means because I've been around him for so long. So if you're asking me whether or not that's the message that's staying on point, that's the party line that he created, that so many others are now touting, yes, that's the message that he wanted to reinforce. Gentleman Simon is expired, Thank you. Mr. Massey. Mr. Cohen, can you just clarify, did you say that at times you would do what you thought Mr. Trump wanted you to do, not specifically what he told you to do? At times, yes. So you just went on your intuition? I don't know if I would call it intuition, as much as I would just say my knowledge of what he wanted, because it happened before, 
and I knew what he had wanted. Does a, does a lawyer have a duty to provide his client with good legal advice? Yes. Were you a good lawyer to Mr. Trump? I believe so. When you uh, arranged a payment to Ms. Clifford, you say in your testimony, I'm going to quote from your testimony, that you did so, quote, without bothering to consider whether that was improper, much less whether it was the right thing to do. You said that, unquote, that's your testimony today. You said you didn't even consider whether it was legal. How could you give your client legal advice when you're not even considering whether it's legal? I did what I knew Mr. Trump wanted. This conversation with Mr. Trump I didn't started. Ask, I didn't ask whether you were a good fixer. I asked whether you were a good lawyer. Sometimes you have to melt both together. I needed to, at that time, ensure and protect Mr. Trump. And so, if I put my, which I'm clearly, clearly suffering the penalty of, I clearly said, let me, erred said on the, on the side of Trump. wrong. So you feel like, by without bothering to consider whether it was proper, much less whether it was the right thing to do, by ignoring any conscience, if you have one, that you were protecting Mr. Trump. I'm sorry, sir. I don't you feel, understand. You feel question. that was how to protect? As his lawyer, you feel that you did a good job. You said you were a good lawyer, right? That's Is that correct. being a good lawyer? To not even consider whether it's legal or not? For I didn't client. work for the campaign. I was working and I was trying to protect Mr. Trump. About a campaign. I, I sat with Trump. Mr. Trump, and this goes back all the way to 2011. This wasn't the first scenario with Ms. Daniels. Let's go back then. So my point, my point is, this, is, this was an ongoing situation. Okay. It didn't just start in right. October. Right, let's, I You have back. to let me finish. Well, this, it started this, in October. It didn't start in October. Let me, let me it ask started you many years earlier. When were you disbarred? Yesterday, from what I read in the paper. Yesterday. When should you have been disbarred, based on the legal counsel you were giving your client? I, I don't have an answer for your question. How long so. were you uh, counsel for Mr. Trump? Since 2007. When is the first time you gave him bad legal advice or failed to inform him of his legal obligations as you, as you testified today you did in the case of the payment to Ms. Clifford? When was the first time you did that? Would that qualify for disbarment? I, I don't know, sir. I'm not the Bar Association. I think you uh, should consult with them maybe occasionally on some of these things. Is well, there's anybody, no point now. I lost my law license. Is anybody, uh, has anybody else promised to pay Mr. Davis for representing you? No. Nobody has? No. Are you offering? <laughs> Question, quickly. Uh, July, you said, and this is also in your testimony, in the days before the Democratic Convention, you became privy to a conversation that some of Hillary Clinton's emails would be leaked. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Was that in, you said late July, do you know the exact day? Uh, I believe it was either the 18th or the 19th, and I would but, guess that it would be on the 19th. But it was definitely July? I believe so, yes. Do you know that was public knowledge in June? This was Mr. Assange, and I'd like to submit this unanimous consent to submit this for the record. Without objection, so. Mr. Assange reported to the media on June 12th that those emails would be leaked. So I'm not saying you have fake news, I'm saying you have old news, and um, there's really not much to that. I would like to.
uh, yield the remainder of my time to Mr. Higgins. Thank you, sir. Mr. Cohen, you, you, you know, I'm quoting you close. I can earlier said, I spent last week looking through boxes to find documents that would support your accusations. Where are those boxes, good sir? Are they, where are those boxes? Are they in your garage? Or? They're in the storage. And are, are these not boxes that should have been turned over to investigative authorities during the many criminal investigations you've been subject to? Sir, these are the boxes that were returned to me if post they, the raid. If they include data pertinent to crimes that you've committed, should they not have been turned over and remanded to investigative authority? Did Mr. Lanny Davis know of these boxes? No, the gentleman's I don't time understand your question. You may answer the question. I don't understand his question, sir. Very well. Christian Morsing. Mr. Cohen. Morning. Thank you, Chairman Cummings, for convening this hearing, and thank you, Mr. Cohen, for voluntarily testifying this morning. Mr. Cohen, you were the Executive Vice President and Special Counsel for the Trump Organization, correct? I was the Executive Vice President and Special Counsel to Donald J. Trump. And Special Counsel means you were the attorney for him, is that right? Just means I was there in order to handle matters that he felt were significant and important to him individually. And those included legal matters? Yes, sir. Sir, as a former attorney, you're familiar with legal documents known as non-disclosure agreements or NDAs, is that right? Yes. Sir, I'm sure you know that NDAs properly written in scope can be reasonable in certain business contexts, but they can also be abused to create a chilling effect to silence people as we've seen in the Me Too movement and, and other places. Isn't that right, Mr. Cohen? Yes. And Mr. Cohen, the Trump Organization used NDAs extensively. Isn't that right? That's correct. Mr. Cohen, I'm reading from a recent Washington Post article regarding the language in one of these types of NDAs where the terms were described as very broad. For instance, the terms confidential information was defined to be anything that, quote, Mr. Trump insists remain private or confidential, including but not limited to any information with respect to the personal life, political affairs, and or business affairs of Mr. Trump or any family member, close quote. Do those terms sound familiar to you? I've seen that document. In fact, there's a class action lawsuit filed this month by former Trump campaign worker Jessica Denson that this NDA language is illegal because it is too broad, too vague, and would be used to retaliate against employees who complain of illegality or wrongdoing. Would you agree that in the use of, the NDs, of these types of NDAs with this type of language, and later when Donald Trump sought to enforce them, that he intended to prevent people from coming forward with claims of wrongdoing? Yes. Would you agree that the effect of the use of these NDAs and their enforcement was to have a chilling effect on people or silence them from coming forward? I apologize. I, if you wanted to find chilling, I'm not sure. Oh, just uh, that he would, in using these NDAs or trying to enforce them, would basically try to keep people silent. That was the goal. And nothing at the Trump Organization was ever done unless it was run through President Donald Trump, correct? That's 100% certain. Okay. You're listening to Tom Hartman. 
Everyone's talking about the decline in stock values over the last few months. If you've been listening to Lynette Zhang's YouTube show, you probably aren't surprised by the fall. Her fact-based research on markets, currencies, and economics is second to none. And her presentations have pointed to most every major downfall we've recently seen in the U.S. economy. Her video titled Just Before the Crash showed people the exact patterns to look out for and now has over 210,000 views and counting. Lynette Zhang has been on my show and works with my friends at ITM Trading. I highly recommend looking them up as they are pioneers in creating wealth protection strategies with gold and silver. If you're a strategic investor looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile markets since 2007, then call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and join the top 1% who are now accumulating very specific types, dates, and qualities of physical gold and silver. Call 1-888-OWN-GOLD. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. Mr. Cohen, do you believe that there are people out there today either from the president's business or personal life who are not coming forward to tell their stories of wrongdoing because of the president's use of NDAs against them? I, I'm sorry, sir. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Sir, I have a couple other questions for you. When was the last communication with President Trump or someone acting on his behalf? So I don't have the specific date, but it was a while ago. Okay, do you, do you have a general time frame? I would suspect it was um, within two months post the raid of my, um, my home okay, so hotel. Okay, so early fall of last year, generally? Generally. And what did he or his uh, agent communicate to you? Yeah. Unfortunately, this topic is actually something that's being investigated right now by the Southern District of New York, and I've been asked by them um, not to discuss and not to talk about these issues. Fair enough. Is there any other wrongdoing or illegal act that you are aware of regarding Donald Trump that we haven't yet discussed today? Yes, and again, those are part of the investigation that's currently being looked at by the Southern District of New York. Sir, uh, Congressman Cooper asked you about um, whether you were, you were aware of any physical violence committed by President Trump. I just have a couple quick questions. Do you have any knowledge of President Trump abusing any controlled substances? I'm not aware of that, no. Do you have any uh, knowledge of President Trump being delinquent on any alimony or child care payments? I'm not aware of any of that. Do you have any knowledge of President Trump arranging any health care pr procedures for any women not in his family? I'm not aware of that, no. Thank you. I yield back. Thank you. Mr. Raskin. Mr. Uh, Mr. Raskin. Mr. Cohen, thank you for your composure today. This is Jamie Our Raskin, the Democrat from, I believe, New York. You lied to Congress for the president. So, oh, They're from Maryland, that's right. stopped lying to Congress for the president. Now, you've described the Trump campaign as a once-in-a-lifetime money-making opportunity, the greatest infomercial of all time, I think you said, and this may be the most trenchant observation of your whole testimony. Do you think the Trump campaign or presidency ever stopped being about making money for the president, his family, and his organization? Yes. When did it stop being that? When he won the election. And it, what did it become about at that point? 
then it had to be about figuring out what to do here in Washington. Can you carefully explain to America how the hush money payments to Kieran McDougall and Stormy Daniels worked? Can you carefully explain what catch and kill is? Sure. I received a phone call regarding both Karen McDougal as well as Stormy Daniels, obviously at different times, stating that there were issues that were going to be damaging to Mr. Trump. And with the Stormy Daniels, it started in 2011 when she wanted to have something removed from a website. And that was the first time I met Keith Davidson, I spoke with Keith Davidson, her then acting attorney. And we were successful in having it taken down from the website. It wasn't until years later, did, right uh, by around the time of the campaign, did they come back and they ask, what, what are you going to do now because she's back on the trail trying to sell the story? At which point in time, David Pecker, on behalf of the National Enquirer, reached out to her and her attorney in order to go take a look at um, lie detector test that would prove that she was telling the truth. They then contacted me and told me that she was telling the truth, at which point, uh, again, all the time... She took a lie detector she test. She allegedly took a lie detector test and was seen by an employee of the National Enquirer. At which point in time, I went straight into Mr. Trump's office and I explained why this time it's different than another time. Okay, now, when you say different than another time, were there other women paid sexual hush money by Donald Trump or his organization? Was this a standard operating practice? No. So you're not aware of any other cases where it had taken place? I'm not aware of any other case that Mr. Trump paid. So which brings us to the Karen McDougal. He was supposed to pay. He was supposed to pay $125,000 for the life story of Karen McDougal. For whatever the reason may be, he elected not to pay it. David Pecker was very angry because there was also other monies that David had expended on his behalf. Unfortunately, David never got paid back for that either. So David Pecker had done this in other cases of other mistresses or women? Other cir circumstances, yes. Okay. Not all of them had to do with women. Are, are you aware of anything that the president uh, has done at home or abroad that may have subjected him to or may subject him to extortion or blackmail? I am not, no. Okay. Um, are you aware of any videotapes that may be the subject of extortion or blackmail? I've heard about these tapes for a long time. I've had many people contact me over the years. Uh, I have no reason to believe that that tape exists. In December 2015, Donald Trump was asked about his relationship with Felix Sater, a convicted felon and real estate developer, and he replied, Felix Sater, boy, have to even think about it. I'm not that familiar with him. Um, why did Trump endeavor to hide his relationship with Felix Sater, and what was his relationship? Well, he certainly had a relationship. Felix was a partner in a company called Bayrock that was involved in the Keep Michael up Soho as long as Hotel, uh, as well as, I believe, the Trump Fort Lauderdale project. Jamie Raskin Why is, did he want to uh, is questioning himself? Michael Cohen. Well, Mr. Trump uh, it's the Cohen testimony. We'll come back with this after the when news break here at the things top of the go bad for someone. Stick around. It's 58 and minutes past the hour. At that point in time, it was going bad for Mr. Sater. 
You said you lied to Congress about Trump's negotiations to build uh, his Moscow Tower because he'd made it clear to you that he wanted you to lie. One of the reasons you knew this is because, quote, Mr. Trump's personal lawyers reviewed and edited my statement to Congress about the timing of the Moscow Tower negotiations before I gave it. So this is a pretty breathtaking claim, uh, and I just want to get to the facts here. Um, which specific lawyers reviewed and edited your statement to Congress on the Moscow Tower negotiations, and did they make any changes to your statement? There were changes made, um, additions. Uh, Jay Sekulow, for one. Were there changes about the timing, the question of... Gentlemen's time has expired. You may answer that question. There, there were uh, several changes that were made, including um, how we were going to handle that message, Mr. which Grove. was... Uh, will you finish? Yes, uh, the, the message, of course, being uh, the length of time that the Trump Tower Moscow project stayed and remained um, alive. That was one of the changes. Yes. Mr. Grothman. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to clear up something, uh, just a little something that bothers me. Uh, you started off your testimony, and you said, I think, in response to some question, that President Trump never expected to win. I just want to clarify that I dealt with several, President Trump several times as he was trying to get Wisconsin. He was always confident. He was working very hard. And this idea that somehow he was just running to raise his profile for some future adventure, at least in my experience, is preposterous. And I, I always I'll find it offensive when anti-Trump people imply that he just did this on a lark and didn't expect to win. But be that as it may, um, my first question concerns uh, your relationship with the court. Um, do you expect, um, I mean, right now I think you're, you're sentenced to three years, correct? That's correct. Do you expect any time uh, using this testimony, other testimony, after you get done doing whatever you're going to do this week, do you ever expect to go back and ask for any sort of reduction in sentence? Yes, there are ongoing investigations currently being conducted that have nothing to do with this committee or Congress that I am assisting in, and it is for the benefit of a Rule 35 motion, yes. So you expect, and perhaps what you testify here today will affect going back and reducing this, what we think is a relatively light three-year sentence. You, you expect to go back and ask for a further reduction. Based off of my appearance here today? Well, based upon whatever you do between now and, and your request for... The report. Rule 35 motion is in the complete hands of the Southern District of New York. And the way the Rule 35 motion works is what you're supposed to do is provide them with information that leads to ongoing investigations. I am currently working with them right now on several other issues of investigation that concerns them, that they're looking at. If those investigations become fruitful, then there is a possibility for a Rule 35 motion. Do you have a reaction to why there might not have been... We're listening to the uh, Michael Cohen hearings before the uh, House Oversight Committee, and uh, we'll be back with more of that in just a few moments. So please stick around here on the Tom Hartman program. Uh, we are uh, carrying the hearings live, courtesy of C-SPAN, and we'll be right back. Ms. Hill. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. 
I represent a purple district. I did not come here for partisan bickering. In fact, I actively wanted to avoid it. So when I ask these questions today, it is not as someone who has a vendetta against the president. It's as someone who comes from generations of service members who swore an oath to obey the orders of the President of the United States and who, along with myself and every single other person up here, swore to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. My forefathers served their country, they served their commander-in-chief, and they served the idea that America is free and just and that the law of the land rules us all, especially those in the highest levels of our government. So I ask these questions to help determine whether our very own President committed felony crimes while serving in the Oval Office, including efforts to conceal payments that were intended to mislead the public and influence the outcome of an election. I hope to God that is not the case. So Mr. Cohen, on January 22nd, 2018, just days after the Wall Street Journal broke the story that Mr. Cohen paid $130,000 to Stephanie Clifford to silence her during the 2016 presidential campaign, a nonprofit watchdog called Common Cause to file a complaint with the called Common Cause filed a complaint with the Department of Justice and FEC alleging the payment to Ms. Clifford may have represented an illegal in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign. I ask that their complaint be entered into the record. On February 13, 2018, Mr. Cohen, you sent a statement to the reporters that said, quote, I used my own personal funds to facilitate a payment of $130,000 to Ms. Stephanie Clifford, and neither the Trump Organization nor the Trump campaign was party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford, and neither reimbursed me for the payment, either directly or indirectly. Was the statement false? The statement is not false. I purposefully left out Mr. Trump individually from that statement. Okay. Uh, why did you say it that way? Because that's what was discussed to do between myself, Mr. Trump, and Alan Weisselberg. So it was carefully worded? Yes, ma'am. Great. Mr. Cohen, a, per a reporter for the magazine Vanity Fair has reported that she interviewed you the very next day on February 14th, 2018, about the payment and reimbursement. And she wrote, quote, last February 14th, I interviewed Cohen in his office about the statement he gave the FEC in which he said Trump didn't know about the stormy payment or reimburse him for it. Do you recall this meeting with the reporter? I do. The reporter also wrote, Trump called while I was there. I couldn't hear much, but he wanted to go over what the public messaging would be. Is that accurate? It is. Did the president call you while you were having a meeting with the reporter? Yes. Did the president call you to coordinate on public messaging about the payments to Ms. Clifford's in or around February 2018? Yes. What did the president ask or suggest that you say about the payments or reimbursements? He was not knowledgeable of these reimbursements and he wasn't knowledgeable of my actions. He asked you to say that? Yes, ma'am. We're, we're listening Great. to Michael Cohen uh, in uh, addition to the acknowledging the lies that, that Donald Trump asked him to, uh, to make. This is pretty amazing. She's, she's basically, is the president of the United States a felon? We'll be back with more of this. Directly reimbursed you hush money as this part of a criminal scheme to violate program. It's, We're listening to the Michael Cohen hearings. What most people don't realize about working in radio is that it's hungry work. I mean it. And you know cooking can seem like a chore, but that's where HelloFresh comes in. They take the guesswork out of cooking by offering a wide-ranging menu with classics that we know and love like the gorgeous greens farrow bowl or the delicious grilled sriracha glazed salmon to recipes you might not be as familiar with courtesy of their gourmet menu. 
Get fresh and affordable, high-quality ingredients delivered right to your doorstep, pre-measured. So all you have to do is follow the recipe. It could not be easier. That's what makes HelloFresh America's number one meal kit. For a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. That's HelloFresh.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. Get a total of $60 off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash Tom. That's HelloFresh.com slash T-H-O-M. HelloFresh.com slash Tom. Committee will now stand in recess again. We will come back. Listen up, 30, 35 minutes. Tom Harbin here with you, and uh, the committee just went into recess. Very interesting, the uh, congresswoman from the U.S. Virgin Islands, a Democrat, was just asking Michael Cohen about the names of people who would be able to corroborate what he was saying. Um, she was the first person to ask him what job he held prior to, uh, you know, prior to last year. And... It's like, I keep, I, I, you know, I was tweeting about this last night. This guy had an office down the hall from Donald Trump. He was listed as the, as the vice president of the Trump organization. And he was the deputy vice chair of the RNC's, you know, uh, financial committee or fundraising committee or whatever it was called. And instead, Trump tweets out, well, he was a lawyer and he was a lawyer to other people, too. Well, yeah. Uh, who are those other people? Well, one was Sean Hannity and the other was this guy who was the other chair or vice chair of the RNC Finance Committee who got a woman pregnant and ended up paying for, as I recall, it was an abortion. I, I don't think she had the baby, but, you know, he got her pregnant and he was some billionaire buddy of Donald Trump's. These were his clients. Pretty amazing stuff. So, uh, you know, we've had a ringside seat here to a, an extraordinary performance. The Republicans, with the exception of Justin Amash of Michigan, who seemed to have some interest in what was going on. He, of course, is the one, he's the anti-war Republican, right? He's the, he's the more libertarian type. But uh, with, his, with the exception of him, pretty much, I would say every Republican had only one goal. And that was to come up with a soundbite, either to sound so, I'm really outraged, oh my God, how can we do it? You know, either to produce a clip you know, a 20, 30, 40 second clip that would play over and over again on Fox News so they'd get reelected and they'd get, you know, props from from the um, uh, the rubes back in their in their districts or. Well, I shouldn't call them rubes, the victims of Murdoch's Fox News or uh, indicting Michael Cohen and, you know, reducing his credibility, damaging his credibility somehow. So uh, let's get into your calls and your thoughts about all this. Denise in Calumet, Michigan. Denise, your thoughts. Hi, Tom. Well, I think the Republicans got together and rehearsed one big lie for the whole day. Oh, of course. And I've called every one of them as they've been speaking in Congress, the Republicans. Mm -hmm. They are not taking calls, not a one. Of course. They're not taking any They calls. don't do town hall meetings. They don't take calls. They ignore their constituents. You know, all they pay attention to are, are the checks coming from the from the oil companies and the chemical companies. Exactly. And, you know, that's and it. And the other Drug thing companies. is they have, they have the audacity to talk about wasting taxes on this hearing after everything they did with Hillary's emails and no convictions, no indictments with Hillary. And Benghazi. 
Right, and Benghazi, yeah, you got you Same thing. You got that. Four years of Benghazi, right? <laughs> exactly. They've been, no, they've been doing nothing but wasting our tax money for years, yeah. and now they're trying to block the truth. That's all I, that's, they just, the only ones that want the truth are the Democrats, and I'm proud to be a Democrat. There you go. I'm with you, Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Very well said. Bobby in Kaiser, Oregon. Hey, Bobby, what's up? Uh, thanks for taking my call, long-time listener. Um, just as you pointed out many times, Tom, all those Republicans said uh, Democrat Party. Yeah. And a couple of them even emphasized the rap party. Did you notice yep. that? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that was Joe McCarthy's advice back in the 1950s. Never say Democratic. Mm -hmm. That sounds too Democratic. That sounds good. Always say Democrat Party and emphasize the and rat at the end. Yeah, and they're all a bunch of hypocrites, too. They controlled everything for two years, and now they're talking about, oh, we want to get this done, we want to get that done. And they had two yeah. years to get stuff done, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Just a bunch of hypocrites, Tom. Yep. And, and now we want to know the truth, but we don't want to actually ask any questions about Donald Trump. We just want to know about your taxes, or are you going to write a book? Give me a break. My, thank you, Bobby, uh, for the call. Michael in Denver, Colorado. Hey, hey Michael. Yes. Hi, Tom. Tom, I just wanted to comment here. Uh, generally speaking, what I'm seeing that's coming out that's going to be a real problem for Trump uh, is the financials that are, are bound to come out. And also, uh, Michael Cohen has a lot of that data, you know, yeah. uh, packed away his, uh, his uh, income tax returns. I'm sure he has, you know, copies or at least, you know. Oh, I think the, the, the guy, Michael, the guy who's going who's gonna to nail Trump is Weisselberg, if I'm pronouncing it yes, right. You know, the, the guy who's the, the chief financial officer for the Trump organization and has been right. since Fred Trump ran it. Oh, a half a century's worth of information from Mr. Weisselberg, for sure. I'm yeah. from back there. I'm a little older than you. I wanted to hear from you to see if you think that's going to be a very strong point. But what I wanted to say is, with all of these things about Michael Cohen being a liar, do you remember the Valachi papers? That was a mafia guy who had been a hitman, and he had done a lot of stuff for his boss. Yeah, you're talking back um, in the 60s or 70s, aren't yes, you? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah Joe, exactly. Joe Well, he was a liar. They were trying to take him down, you know, this guy. You know, he's the one. He's the only. He's just a, a, a you know, a murderer and a, and, a, and, a, and a street thug. Well, what happened? He bought down the original uh, five families. He bought them down to street level. They You're got right. destroyed financially. So yeah, that was the I'm beginning no fan, of the end. I'm really. no, yeah, I'm a fi fan of Michael Collins, but what he's doing right now is really what we need to do to draw out the information. And on a couple of different occasions, he pointed out that this was not just Donald Trump. This is Donald, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric. What you're looking at here is the Trump crime family. And, you know, I'm waiting for the RICO investigation to come out of the Southern District of New York. Michael, thank you for the call. I think absolutely this is going to be coming along. Al in Zanesville, Ohio. Hey, Al, your thoughts on the hearings? Well, I think uh, one of the things that has come out is there seems to be uh, the way Trump operated. He wanted to keep away from uh the information that is detrimental. All of his decisions were on a phone, on a speakerphone. There's no email trail. There's no uh, texting. He'll tweet something, but nothing that would really come back on him. And it seems to work so far up to this point that he that his complete inner circle is corrupt. However, he's not. I mean, that's a real paradox right there. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was when Michael Cohen, when they said basically, you know, why would Trump do many, so many of these things like, you know, running, uh, negotiating his deal with the, on Trump Tower in Russia and Moscow while he's running for president. I mean, you know, that's the sort of thing that would open somebody up to charges of treason, essentially. And Michael Cohen said, because he didn't expect to win. And, you know, after he lost, he was going to go back to being a businessman, which then raises the question, okay, if he didn't expect to win, then why did he put so much effort and time and trouble and all that kind of stuff into trying to win, essentially, you know, and, you know, like suppressing the Stormy Daniels and suppressing the Karen McDougal. And I think the answer to that is that Trump figured that his this is all about building his brand. If he could lose to Hillary Clinton by just one or two states, like the producers, like the old Mel Brooks movie, if he could just barely lose, he'd be worth a fortune. And he'd, ha and he'd be made. And as Michael Cohen said today, they plan to make hundreds of millions of dollars off Trump Tower Moscow. Al, thanks for the call. Well said. Dan in Baldwin, Michigan. Hey, Dan, what's up? People in America are realizing today that how powerful that Michael Cohen was because it's taking all of the elected Republicans in Congress to take his place. Yeah, it seems. You know, I, I have not heard a single Republican, uh, Justin Amash, I guess, asked one or two questions that were not unreasonable. But, uh, but outside of that, every Republican has just been dedicated to basically a hit job. Uh, absolutely. Dan, thank you. Well said. Patrick in Los Angeles. Hey, Patrick, what's up? Okay, so Michael Cohen, he was asked several times about book deals and movies and right. him profiting after all of this. I wish his response would have been, well, yeah, if you'll promise not to take money from the oil industry or the defense industry or the gun industry, then yeah. I'll do the same. Well, uh, he was being, uh, you know, that's the sort of wise guy stuff that we saw with the uh, former acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker. And I think he's going to be in big trouble over it. And I don't think it served him well. I would have loved to hear that too, Patrick. It would have been a great slap down. But I'm not sure that that's, I mean, you know, he's trying to take the position of I'm a nice guy. You can, you can uh, believe what I'm saying rather than I'm a partisan and I'm trying to smack down the president. This is where, you know, when he defended Trump and said he would never hit his wife. This, that, that was the thing that told me that, that this guy is actually just right down the middle telling the truth. Patrick, thank you for the call. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. It's 51 minutes past the hour here on the Tom Hartman program. Talk media for the sane left among us. Actually, I think the number of sane in our country is growing moment by moment. We'll be right back. Tom Harbin here with you, uh, taking your calls, your thoughts on what we've been hearing all day here in the Michael Cohen hearings. David in Beverly Hills, California. Hey, David, what's on your mind? So basically, I wanted to just touch base with you on this. I actually met Trump years ago. I owned a major development company here in Beverly Hills, and we were almost slated to do the Palace Verdes Estates golf course for him. So I'm not talking to someone who's never met him. I actually did meet him. Oh, and had almost a business deal with him. But what I wanted to say was this, and probably this is the most, I'm an independent, so I can go either way. I don't just follow one party line. But I will say this, and hopefully this communicates or resonates to the Democrats that are listening, is the simplicity of it is the House of Cards is falling for this guy, and it's falling fast. And what's amazing is, you're talking about sound bites where these Republicans are coming forward trying to get a sound bite. Well, the reality is this, is that those sound bites are going to come back to actually bite them yeah. where they don't want to be bitten. Because what's going to happen is when they go up for re-election and Trump, there's enough on him now 
to implicate him and to actually convict once he's out of office. Well, that really kind of screws these other people politically, because now their political opponents, whether it's senator, governor, doesn't matter, they can actually use those sound bites against them and say, here you are standing up for a criminal, a convicted criminal, a con- you know, convicted this, convicted that, right. which will actually do a major swing for the Democratic Party. Now, I don't know if that's, <laughs> you know, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen, you know, fairly soon. But it's it, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like the I way that the Democrats that. used the clips of Republicans saying that the Affordable Care Act would be a disaster and we've got to kill it, you know, all that kind of thing during the last election. And a lot of Republicans lost their seats because of that. I think you're absolutely right, David. You're going to see a major, major swing in the next year to two years, especially, especially if he's actually pulled out of office. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the legality is on trying to actually convict, you know, a city. It's being debated right now. The Nixon Justice Department and the Reagan Justice Department's concluded that you can't indict a sitting president. Big whoop, well, right? There's nothing in the Constitution yep, yep. says you can't. And I guarantee you, you go back and read the transcripts of the debates in Philadelphia in Independence Hall in, in the summer of 1787, and particularly the Article II debates, those guys did not want a king in the White House. The only kingly power they were willing to give him was the power to pardon. They never would have contemplated the idea that a sitting president shouldn't be able to be indicted for a crime. They wanted him to be Absolutely. as accountable to the law as anybody else. And the fact that the Nixon and Reagan justice department said, no, we don't think you can prosecute Nixon or Reagan when Nixon and Reagan both committed treason to get into the White House. I mean, it should be a clue. They keep going after Cohen's credibility. And it's like, I really wish he would just say, you know, I had a really good teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they keep going after the fact that it's like that he's a liar, that he's a this. Oh, you you, you lied you, on your taxes here. You lied on this. You lied on that. You lied. On but David, it's just like where he Trump. said, I don't think the elevator tape exists because I don't think Trump would hit his wife. I don't think he's interested in trying to damage Donald Trump. I think he's simply interested in atoning for the crimes he's committed and cleaning his life up. At some point, someone has to look themselves in the face no matter what they've done. And we all feel it at some point in time. I'm not saying that he is beyond reproach, but it, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, it's so funny because they're sitting here talking about, well, you lied, you lied, you lied. And it's like, how many of these politicians are sitting up in their office right now having lied to get yeah. where they are? Yeah, but, absolutely. But acting, you know, it's like, David, I got to run. I'm sitting. sorry, we're out of time. But uh, your, your points are all very well made. And it's fascinating to talk to somebody who is, uh, nearly did business with Donald Trump and I guess, you know, danced with him a bit. Um, Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Actually, Congressman Pocan will be with us tomorrow uh, in the first hour of our program, taking your calls for the uh, for the hour first hour. Yep. And so uh, we'll be back and we'll continue this conversation. too. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.